This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 281. Is Bank on Yourself All It's Cracked Up to Be? A CFP's Perspective with Amanda Neely. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode. Now, the phrase financial planner can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. For many people, it can be fairly intimidating to meet with a financial planner. And it, for other people, can bring up feelings of guilt or shame. For example, maybe you didn't save enough and maybe they'll find out. For other people, the words financial planner might make them feel angry, having been burned in the past by fake financial planners who were just there to push them into the wrong stocks or real estate or insurance products without doing any real due diligence. So as a certified financial planner myself, that's strike one for me at the backyard barbecue party or cocktail party. Strike two is typically when folks find out that bank on yourself is a modernized form of whole life insurance. Emphasis on the insurance part. Now, more Americans have feelings of distrust and even often disdain toward insurance professionals. Buried in the recesses of our brains, back in the regions of our mind where we don't exactly know why we're feeling what we're feeling, but we just know we cannot trust insurance agents. In fact, Gallup's poll of honesty and ethics in professions shows that in life insurance salespeople are among the least trusted, number six in the list, in fact, right up there with car salespeople and members of Congress. Goodness. So why on God's green earth would I choose to become a certified financial planner focusing and specializing in the bank on yourself concept, which uses whole life insurance? Do I have like a social death wish or something? No, no. The honest truth is I do it because I know it works. And I know it to the deepest part of my bones as a certified financial planning professional. And in many ways, I worked really hard to become a CFP to push really hard into my belief in the financial universe that whole life insurance can serve as a means by which people can find financial confidence and freedom in their lives. And this may be part of the reason why my guest today, Amanda Neely, did exactly the same thing. I've had the great privilege of getting to know Amanda for many, many years, even before her work in finance when she was an entrepreneur running a coffee shop business in downtown Chicago, Illinois. Around roughly 2015, I worked with Amanda to set up a bank-on-yourself type policy simultaneously as I was taking courses to become a certified financial planner myself. Fast forward seven years or so, and it's been remarkable what Amanda's been able to accomplish. Not only did she continue to fund her whole life insurance policy, but she sold her business at a profit and she's now opened up several more policies. Not only that, but she's become a bank on yourself professional herself. Not only that, but she's now among an elite group of certified financial planners who are women. And to my knowledge, she's the only female CFP who is also a bank on yourself professional. So this makes her truly unique among the many other wonderful characteristics about Amanda Neely. 
So who is Amanda Neely? Well, Amanda is a certified financial planner professional and CEO of Wealth Wisdom Financial. She makes financial planning more accessible through podcasting and through developing personalized financial strategies for individuals, couples, and profitability strategies for small business owners. She works virtually all over the United States to help everyday Americans create smart, stable financial futures. I'm going to talk with Amanda today on this episode about becoming a certified financial planner, what that process is really like, what she would tell someone else just starting out on the process of becoming a CFP themselves, what she wished she had known before she got started. And we'll talk about the question, does bank on yourself still hold water after all the things Amanda has learned about money? That's a big question that a lot of people ask me. Is this bank on yourself thing just a bunch of wish-wash marketing or is it the real deal? So with all that introduction, let's take it away, Amanda Neely. Amanda, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. Always a great time on the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Well, we have, it's all—it's like I'm introducing you to our audience all over again, because you have some exciting news. You've added to your name, which not everybody mm-hmm. gets to say that about their name. You know, tell us what happened and how you have extra parts to your name now. Yeah, and I am officially a certified financial planner, a CFP, just like the one and only Mark Willis. It was a long process, but super excited to be celebrating that that's done and I can serve my clients in much more ways and with much more knowledge behind me. What does it mean to be a certified financial planner? And then what does it take to get those letters after your name? The certified financial planner, there's a board that gives the designation and they set the rigorous requirements of what it means to be a CFP. There's four E's. Let me see if I can get this right. There's an education requirement. You have to take courses, pass those courses, show that you're learning. There's an exam, which was a full day experience, lots of questions throughout all of the course material that we had. There's an ethics component, so you have to pass their ethics requirements. And then the fourth one is experience. We have to have the experience of being in the industry. I believe, if I remember correctly, it's a three-year experience requirement. You can't be a newbie just starting out. And it takes not just a weekend course, right? This education and, well, one, the experiences, as you said, three-plus years in the field, actually meeting with real clients. But then the education and and more takes a long time. How long did it take from start to finish for you to go through these uh, materials? Yeah, I started in March of 2021, and then I finished in July of 2022. So about 15 months, took a little bit of a break, and then started three months of studies toward the exam to remember everything I'd learned in those courses, commit them to memory, and be ready for the exam. And that's 10 to 15 hours a week, every week for those, that 10 time. To 15 so 18 hours months. A week. Wow. Yeah. And 18 months at 10, to, that's a part-time job right there. Why did you do that, Amanda? Why put yourself through that kind of pain and suffering? Yeah, it's much for me, the personal growth side to it, to learn, to continue having that growth mindset, trying to do self-improvement. But also I get asked all the time by prospective clients what are my credentials? Where am I coming from? And I wanted to be able to very clearly say that I had this amazing designation 
coming from the CFP board, one of the most rigorous financial designations that there are. And to be able to say that, and part of being a CFP is you have to also be a fiduciary. That's one of those requirements that's part of the ethics part of things that we have to follow. And so I can proudly say that I'm working in my client's best interest ahead of any other interest, my own, any companies that I represent, all of that. Tell me more about what you do as a certified. Now, I'm saying this as if I don't know, but uh, I want to ask you. And first of all, I'm so thankful, so excited that I'm a part of your team, part of the Bank on Yourself professionals crew. And we'll get into how CFP land marries with Bank on Yourself in a little bit. So I'm very curious, and I know our audience is going to want to know, do you still like Bank on Yourself now that you're a CFP? But let me set that aside for a minute. What do you do as a CFP that's different than just your typical financial professional that's out there? There's a lot of good financial professionals that act in people's best interest, mm-hmm. right? That word fiduciary is just a word, but it's it's an important word. So what's different about being a CFP than just maybe those that might not have those credentials? Yeah. And this is actually something that you taught me from day one of starting training with you that I carried forward even before I knew I was going to be a certified financial planner. And it was really the holistic perspective. Even when somebody is coming saying, tell me about banking yourself, I want to do bank on yourself. We still think about how it fits in with their tax strategy, how it fits in with their investments. How is it going to help them pay for their kid's college or pay for retirement? And how can it boost those other things? And then also, how are those other things going to be impact their bank and yourself policies as well? And so that kind of comprehensive looking at the full pie, even if we don't implement everything at once, even if we're not talking about the full pie, that's what's in our heads, right? At all the time when we're working with our clients. Amanda, I'll tell a quick story. I literally just got off the phone with someone who had an index universal life contract uh, with six figures in it, but it was starting to just vaporize. The sand was dripping out of it. The cash was starting to go away. He had even seen the contract table value showing the cost of insurance going up as he ages. And as he gets into his late 50s, early 60s and 70s and beyond, the policy cash value finally will just disintegrate and fall apart and the policy will lapse. When we met, his first words almost were, and he was a great, really kind man, really smart guy, but he said, Mark, you know, I just want to work on this policy. I just want to transfer the IUL over to a bank on yourself designed policy. And I told him, I said, I get it. I don't want to, I'm no nosy financial guy here. I don't have any reason to just learn about people's financial underwear. What I want to know is, am I going to mess something up in your other parts of your life by setting up a new policy with you now? And I would hate to get three years into this and then realize that I didn't do the right thing by not understanding all the puzzle pieces from your estate plan to your auto insurance to your, you know, to your income, to your debt, right? I want to just at least know what what else is going on. Even if we don't do anything with that information, at least now we know that's going to be over there. Those rental properties are going to be over there. As it happened, as we went through the conversation, we started to connect the dots and we started to make things matter and we found meaning and we found a way to adjust this and pull on that. And we made a more comprehensive solution because we were both willing to investigate, discuss, even if he wasn't necessarily wanting to do that at the beginning. He at the end said he thanked me for it and said, I'm glad we did this extra, extra legwork. And I assume that's what you do with your clients as well. Said kind of what would you add to that or what insights do you have? Yeah. And knowing how we take confidentiality very seriously 
I make sure that they understand that, but also people have different comfort levels. Uh, let them know the more they share, the better I can give them accurate information. But I also like if they don't want to show their underwear, they don't have to. Um, I think also helps put people at ease a little bit. And there's always that question that I'm afraid to ask that then I get permission to ask because we've created the safe space to to share and be open. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm so glad that you do that. And you do an incredible job for your clients. And you work with clients all over the country. And you specialize in the little known variation of life insurance known as bank on yourself. Now, I have there's so many filters on Amanda Neely's life just on a professional level. And it makes you the unique person that you are. I mean, you're beyond just your professional life, Amanda, in a lot of ways. But let me just kind of give folks some context. There are 400,000 life insurance agents in the United States. That's the best data I can come up with. That's a lot. There's even more stock jockeys and, and investment gurus, and let's just call those the investment advisors. Then you got people like CPAs. You got, I mean, so you got a million plus people in the financial services industry working for individual clients. Then you have all the people in the institutional class doing stuff for the big Black Rocks and the Morgan Stanleys and all. So we're talking a large financial services industry. Let's start to filter all that down. Out of all those in, uh, investment advisors, insurance agents, there are only 93,000 CFPs, certified financial planners, according to the CFP website. So that's one giant filter right there. One out of 20 people in the financial world are, are CFPs. Of those CFPs, only 23.5% are female. And you brought up before we hit record that that's a big deal. Why don't I stop for a minute? What does that mean for you? How, you know, what does it mean to be both a certified financial planner and female? It's really important to me. There are so many women out there who take either a backseat in their financial lives or feel like they don't have someone they can talk to about their financial journey because there's not someone that represents them that looks like them that they could talk to. So I get to extend that to my fellow women. But then also bringing that different perspective into conversations I have with couples and with men, because I have my own unique experience, I have my own understanding of things. We could add my experience as a business owner, you know, all of those things build into, I'm going to relate to people differently. But also I know that there are men who would have taken me way more seriously over the last five years, had I had these initials after my name already. And I get to now help them even better because now they're more open to talking to me, to seeing mm -hmm. me speak into their lives because they know those credentials that I have behind me too. That's both a relief and a shame that that's the case. And I would like for you to speak, just push a little deeper into that for a minute. I wonder if men and maybe even women look down on people they don't expect to fill the shoes of a financial planner whether it's a you know older person or a younger person, a male or a female, but just push into that some more. What has that experience been like? And what advantages maybe would someone have having a uh, woman as a certified financial planner to serve them in their financial life? Yeah, I can tell you one quick story. Just recently, I was talking to a couple and we, I was interviewing them, you know, going through the process, but they were kind of interviewing me. I could tell like they had some questions about my background and such. And at the end of the conversation, the wife says to her husband, I told you females were way better as financial professionals. They're so detail oriented. I loved how many, you know, how detailed she got. 
the follow-up she's going to do, like, because I listed off, here's where I'm, what I'm going to send you and we're done. She was just super pumped. And he was like, yeah, I can totally tell the difference from all the men we've been talking to, mm-hmm. right? Because they've got men, a lot of men on their financial team so far. And I hear that all the time. Sure, I am detail-oriented. That's kind of more, stereotypically speaking, a woman's uh, thing. But to be able to like bring that and serve people better because that's what I'm yep. bringing in. Mm-hmm. And then then I get to like stretch myself to be a little more big picture <laughs> oriented and why I'm glad I've got their big picture type people like my husband on the team. Even today, yeah. he was like, wait, you need to be a little more big picture here with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You guys are both great for each other and you're great for your clients. Now, we've been filtering down and so far we've just only scratched the surface because you're right. Uh, how many of these uh, CFPs are women? How many um, financial advisors are there out there in the world? But you've even drilled deeper as a bank on yourself professional, of which there's only a couple hundred, 200 or so, give or take. I want to know, what's that like? How do you wear the hat? And I, I realize I'm speaking also wearing similar hats, but what's it like? to be a CFP and bank on yourself professional? Yeah, I had this really critical moment as I was going through my studies where one of the professors shared, he kind of went off script, he was done teaching. He was like, let me just give you the best advice that I was ever given. And he told us, specialize. If you are a generalist, you're not gonna be able to serve your clients as best as if you specialize. So pick an area, some area within, you know, that you're learning in your studies, and specialize there. And sure, you can incorporate that with all the other parts, but then you're going to really have, you know, they tell us in business all the time, you niche, right? You Mm. niche until it hurts. He was telling us to do that. And that was super affirming to me because I have been a, I have had a specialty even before becoming a certified financial planner that I can keep that specialty. And I can remind people, if you were having heart surgery, you probably wouldn't want a general practitioner to do it. You'd want a heart surgeon to do it. And all the different analogies that brings into how we do financial matters. And what I love is that now I can take that specialty and I can add to it. Okay, now let's coordinate with your tax professional. Let's coordinate with your attorney. Let's coordinate with your investment advisor. And I'll be here working on your foundational wealth, your safe money. What's going to feed into what these other folks on your team are doing for you. And I can put that hat on to be there financial planner, the umbrella over all of it too. What do you mean by feed into? Oh, I mean, their attorney with state planning, they're going to want to know that they've got some liquidity and what's going to happen to that liquidity when and how does that need to be factored into wills and trusts. Mm-hmm. Their tax professional, they need to know that they've got tax-free income coming to them in the future. Hopefully, you know, that's part of what we designed maybe in Bank on Yourself strategy. And so they can play around a little bit more with how much they defer in taxes or don't. If they're doing real estate investing, do we use a 1031 exchange? Do we not? We can have those kinds of conversations and I can help facilitate those conversations. Be sure those conversations are happening. I tell my clients all the time now, I'm about to tell you something. Go fact check it with your tax professional. Send Mm -hmm. them to me if, you know, let's have a three-way call. Those kind of things. Yeah, It's a lot of fun. So I want to go, I mean, you brought up a few things. One, bank on yourself. For those that are just kind of new to the episode, new to the show, bank on yourself is a dividend paying whole life insurance policy, specially designed to do a few things really well. One, you brought up liquidity. There's a big bucket of money and we call it cash value. 
that you can use for any purpose, including the conversations that you might need to have with your estate planning attorney or real estate purchase or investing in the market, should you want to do that, or kids' college or whatever. Then you brought up estate planning for maybe the death benefit. You brought up tax professional because you might you know, be able to draw money out of the policy in retirement as a stream. And under the tax law, it says we can get the money out of the policy totally income tax-free, right? So these are just a few uh, of what you can do with the policy and how your whole life policy integrates into the rest of your financial life. And as you said, it feeds into all the other areas that impact the rest of your financial team. Okay, so that's awesome. And you're the safe- We could probably keep going with examples. You got another one or two you want to throw on there? Um, Well, sometimes people will choose to save money on other kinds of insurance, home, auto, health, because they're able to raise their deductibles to Mm -hmm. lower their premiums because they've got more liquid emergency cash to do those things. Mm. Yeah, and, and- Filling out the FAFSA for college, you know, knowing mm-hmm. that if they have the 529, that's going to be included there, but a whole life insurance policy wouldn't. Um, might, it might yeah. replace your bond fund, you know, as a as a portfolio replacer or supplement for your bonds or other fixed income. There's so many things. In fact, I'd like to know, and this is sort of one of the big reasons why I wanted you to come on our show. You just went through the mammoth. You you took down the financial dragon known as the CFP, and I applaud you for that. It's a big, big, big deal. And you did it faster than I got through mine. So way to go for doing that. I want to know, does Bank on Yourself still hold water for you now that you've learned all about how money works? Yeah, and I would say it actually stands up even stronger. I'll let everyone know that paid up additions writers, I didn't hear anything about that in any of my coursework. The words bank on yourself were not in, and at least the textbooks that I read did not have those words. And yet I saw it everywhere. So, I so saw you mean, proof I, for it everywhere. I know exactly what you mean. Okay, so paid up additions are kind of a key component of bank on yourself, but they don't mention it in the CFP textbooks. I assume that they didn't bring up non-direct recognition loans or yeah. you know, mutual. Maybe they mentioned whole life insurance. I bet they did. In oh, fact, yeah. I know they did. But what do you mean you, you saw bank on yourself all over the pages in the textbooks. What do you mean by that? Yeah, we've talked about this before with in the investment textbook, it kept saying over and over again that you can run these formulas, you can do these models, but past isn't indicative of the future. And I hear that all the time as a bank and yourself professional, that past investment performance is not indication of the future. I'm reading through the investment textbook, learning a whole new world of, you know, stock investing and something I kind of thought I understood a little bit, but never done a deep dive in. So you learn all of the different types of analyses, fundamental, technical, you learn, learn about the different models that are out there, different formulas you can use to compare different potential investments and choose which one. And yet they all always reminded us that they're flawed, that they're not perfect, that they're still looking back in order to look forward. And what is happening, what has happened in the past might not happen again. One example was like, let's say you find a mutual fund that had a huge return compared to all the other mutual funds over the last five years. That says nothing really about the next five years. And yet that's uh, often how we choose mutual funds. If we're choosing mutual funds is which one had the highest return historically. And the, it was just such a reminder to me that that's, those models, those ways of doing things, sure, they become standardized. They're accepted. If I were to, 
you know, buy a mutual fund, I'd probably use some of those to get a better idea of what I was doing. But they have their flaws. And I'm really glad I'm not building my foundation, my financial foundation on such flawed numbers that I, you really have to be an actuary to understand somebody that's crunching these numbers, that's doing these things all the time, and yet still they are guess, guessing most yep. of the time. Wow. Okay. That's huge. And I appreciate you sharing all that. I think the news that I took from this interview and learning more is just that, yeah, bank on yourself. You can push really hard into it. And some people look at the book or they look at the Pamela Yellen's website, they look at the website, the materials. And they might toss it and say, well, that's just a marketing pitch for life insurance. You've dug pretty deep on this thing now. And you just said that it stands up to the full weight of the CFP. I mean, that's a big statement. I guess I'm curious now, what you know now, how many different financial products would we have to buy or get to equal what we can do with Bank on Yourself? So... Let me give you an example. We need a nice, juicy, super nice uh, liquid savings account that we could somehow not get taxed on. Can you help me think of any others? We need a passive income to create the dividends that we're going to get off the whole life. We need to create something like a rental property to, to give us some passive income. Can you think of any other or bonds or something? Can you think of any other financial vehicles that we'd have to sort of Frankenstein together to create what we have with whole life insurance, this bank on yourself way? Well, you need some term insurance to oh, right, provide right. the death mm -hmm. benefit. That's a huge mm -hmm. part. You would need somebody who was willing to lend you money with your savings account as collateral, but let you set the terms of the loan in terms of the repayment. I don't, good yeah. luck finding that. <laughs> you, you need a Roth IRA, but without any of the government restrictions of a Roth IRA mm -hmm. to give you retirement income. You'd need a tax exempt trust to leave that money to your heirs in a certain way. You'd need a whole fleet of attorneys and financial advisors to help you manage all this mess. Or you could just have Amanda Neely, CFP, bank on yourself professional. <laughs> so Amanda, as we wrap up here, what advice would you want to give someone who doesn't ever want to get close to the CFP textbooks that you feel like you've learned about money as a result of going through this process? I guess, so I'm going to speak to the skeptics out there, the people who you've listened to this, but you're you're like, what is this banking yourself thing? Why would anybody ever do this? I'm not buying what Mark and Amanda are talking about today. And my guess is that you're probably investing in the stock market. You're probably doing some kind of, you know, in a 401k, in an IRA, in a brokerage account somewhere. Half of Americans are today. Back in 1950, it was 5% or so. Big, big change there. Do you really understand what you're doing, right? Have you dug into the mechanics? Do you know how the car runs? And, or are you trusting a mechanic mm -hmm. to do that for you and you just drive it and hope that it gets to where it's going? And if you're doing that with stocks, bonds, mutual funds, all that fun stuff, why not do something like that with bank on yourself? It does get complicated under the hood. You do need to have a mechanics to look at it, make sure it's set up properly, running properly. Not all of the, our listeners right now are going to go get life insurance license, let alone become a CFP. But you want to choose your mechanic super wisely, right? You, we, when we take our car in to get it repaired, I'm not taking it just anywhere. I'm not going to take, you know, I might even get a second or third opinion sometimes. But if when I found a mechanic that I can trust, that's who I'm taking my my car to every time. And I want them to explain to me what they're doing, why, 
but I don't always have to know all the ins and outs of how it's working. I get asked all kinds of questions about life insurance companies and what's happening under the hood. And I understand a little bit of it, but I'm never going to go work at a life insurance company and become, you know, one of their people that set pricing on life insurance policies. But I see the results every day when I drive the car and I see it in my clients every day when they drive their car. So think about whatever car you're driving, whether it's stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whether it's banking yourself, properly designed whole life insurance, how's it feel driving it? And then talk to your mechanic to say, hey, this this clunker is not working as well. Or, <laughs> hey, this is going super smooth, but what maintenance do I need to do? Fantastic. Great response. Thank you, Amanda, for this. And thank you for coming on. Uh, and I just want to say again, there are maybe several million financial services professionals across the country of all various types, you know, from CPAs to investment advisors. There's about 93,000 CFPs. There's about, you know, whatever a quarter of that is, uh, women CFPs. There's only 200 bank on yourself professionals and there's only one Amanda Neely. So thank you, Amanda. Unicorn. That's right. (laughs) So thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and insights with us. I know that there's going to be people who want to just eat up everything that Amanda's serving over at your in your part of the financial universe. So let us know how we can follow you. Yeah, and I love chatting with people. This is one of the best professions to have in the world. I've come to learn. Never thought I would be in these shoes. So if you want that ally, you want somebody to talk to, um, even just to have a little almost talk therapy session, get some questions answered and move forward. I would love to do that. We offer a complimentary discovery call on our website, Wealth Wisdom FP for financial partners, wealthwisdomfp.com. Fantastic. That's wealthwisdomfp.com. Great, Amanda. Thanks for coming on and being a part of the show today. Thanks for having me, Mark. Great to be here. Wow, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the show and being willing to share so forthrightly, so earnestly from your heart and also giving me some real insights on what it's like to become a certified financial planner in today's day and age. Honestly, as a collaborator with you, both as a CFP and in the Bank on Yourself universe, I just think it's so odd that we have such a disdain for this thing called whole life insurance and money in general. What's the deal? For all the things that it allows us to do, you'd think that there'd be a lot more clamoring for it among the general public. But I think there's a bias that's been set against us in this financial universe. I think there's a lot of people who benefit from us not putting money into bank on yourself designed policies. People who are on Wall Street who get paid to put you in other financial strategies and products. So thank you, Amanda, for giving us your insight and your experience of what you learned about bank on yourself as you went through the CFP program. And thank you, everyone, for listening in on this sort of insider baseball episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.